1: Welcome to Political Rewind. What a day to have everybody gathered in the studio uh, to talk about Super Tuesday. Truly a remarkable night in American politics. In 1992, Bill Clinton was struggling in New Hampshire as the result of uh, stories about the affairs he'd had, the Jennifer Flower story broke, that sort of thing. And it looked like his poll numbers were plummeting as a result of that. Clinton ended up finishing second in New Hampshire. And James Carville, his uh, campaign consultant, dubbed him the comeback kid, which wasn't really actually quite true at that moment. But Greg Bluestein. Last night we really saw a comeback.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe a resurrection. <laughs> I don't know what term to use, but it was an epic night for Joe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden,
1: an epic night, which we're going to talk about and talk about the consequences of that and what other candidates are dealing with today as they uh, sort through uh, the results of the election. We have got Greg Bluestein, political reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, here with us. You read him every day in the paper, mostly on the front page. Thanks for joining us. Busy night. And you're here with the A-Team, Dr. Audrey Haynes, political (laughs) science professor from uh, the University of Georgia, Dr. Alan Abramowitz, and Dr. Andra Gillespie from Emory University, and Dr. Amy Steigerwald of Georgia State University. You all have become so important, I think, to our listeners' understanding of how things are developing politically in this remarkable election year. So thank you all for coming back in again. Today, um, Let me let's uh, Greg. Uh, let's just go over it very quickly. Um, so here's here's the here's the, the basics. Joe Biden wins Alabama, Arkansas, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas and Virginia. He is leading in Maine. Um, and we're still waiting for the final numbers there. Um, and we're still waiting for California, where they had some massive uh, problems with voting machines. But it appears that California is much closer than people expected. Uh, Biden and and uh, Bernie Sanders, not that b- uh, big a gap separating them as they try to finish up their vote. vote yeah,
2: the Associated Press called the California race for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, but, but they're the only haven't. ones that yeah, did. Several outlets Nobody else did. Haven't done that yet. But look, I mean, the, the biggest, there's a lot of surprises last night, but among the biggest, Texas going for, for Joe Biden, Massachusetts, where he hardly campaigned. Going for Joe Biden, Minnesota, where he didn't step foot. Going for Joe Biden on the strength of Amy Klobuchar's um, uh, endorsement, and and of course um, Elizabeth Warren finishing in third place in her own home state.
1: Yeah, we should let's uh, mention a few other uh, results of last night. Audrey, uh, Bernie Sanders did win Colorado, Utah, Vermont, and as Greg says, AP uh, calls him the winner in California, but no other news organization so far has been willing to make that uh, case. As Greg points out, Elizabeth Warren, a very disappointing finish for her and her people, third in her home state, third to Biden. Biden wins it and Sanders comes in second.
3: Yeah, that was remarkable. I will tell you that in all the all the uh, multivariate models we've ever used, we put home state in there uh, to count for the little bounce that you're going to get to control for the natural, uh, you know, positivity that most home states have and home states have regions for their candidates, and that seemed to be lacking. But most of us who follow um, politics knew that Warren, for a significant amount of time, has not been super popular in her state.
4: I think she was hurt by uh, the perception that she was no longer a viable candidate. You know, I think that uh, voters just don't want to they don't want to vote for a candidate who is has no chance of winning the nomination. It was a bad night for Michael Bloomberg. Terrible night, Two, for I think Bloomberg, we should say yeah. as well. Well,
0: I mean, and I think for for Elizabeth Warren, I think she got a bounce. It was just on the Titanic. And so the fact that she got above 20% in her home state, I think was the hometown surge, but given the fact that this was a, a doomed candidacy and that the handwriting was on the wall, you know, even people who probably did like her weren't willing to give her support.
1: So, uh, as long as Ellen mentioned it, Amy, and then I want to go around and I'm just going to give you free reign to give us your <laughs> take on yesterday but before we get to that as long as alan mentioned uh bloomberg mm-hmm. uh, amy uh bloomberg spent some 200 million dollars uh g- coming into super tuesday states this was his first day on the ballot am i wrong about the number
0: 200 million
5: i thought it was something i'm, talking about, I I'm talking
1: about in super Tuesday in states. States, oh, okay. yeah yeah but he overall, spent far more than that overall but in super billion tuesday billion. States, Okay, yeah. so let's just use half a million. As I mean, half a half billion, billion. Half a billion as a yeah. figure. And for that, he did win American, American Samoa. Samoa. <laughs> he spent
5: 75% of the GDP of American Samoa in order to win five of the electoral votes there because uh, Tulsi Gabbard also won yeah. one yeah. in American Samoa. So congratulations to the two of them there. Um, no, I mean, I think that that is sort of an important point of all of this is it does suggest that simply spending a lot of money does not have the payoff that a lot of people, I think, were worried that it did. So he did not do well there. Steyer also, right? I mean, Steyer banked a yeah. lot on South Carolina, spent, I think it was about $100 million, maybe more uh, there. Again, wasn't able to do it. And I think that that has sort of an important point. I think the other part, something we were talking about right before, is that you know, a lot of people are mentioning that, you know, Warren, on some level, kind of took one for the team for going after Bloomberg and saying, like... He's the big threat, and so I'm going to really focus attention on ensuring that he's not able to do well there, um, which didn't seem to pay off for her in the long term, but did, I think, stop Bloomberg in his tracks. But yes, I mean, I I guess if, for those of us who are worried about this, and I know uh, at least three of us have had uh, Ellen Weintraub on our campuses, um, I think later today she's at Emory, and she was at Georgia Tell State on Monday, sorry, uh, Commissioner of the FEC, and sort of really talking about issues of money in campaigns. And dark money spending and all of these issues. I mean, here we knew where the money was coming from, but the sort of real concern that somebody could just buy an election doesn't seem to be working. Because right. at the end of the day, voters aren't listening to that. Let's. I want to go
1: around. I want to get everybody a chance to just say here's what I take away from last night. And as I do that, I'll say that as of, of an hour ago, the and this will change in, in you know over the next hours ahead. Uh, Biden was leading Bernie Sanders now suddenly. 453 delegates to Sanders 373. Remarkable. All right. So let's get takeaways from everybody. Uh, Blustein, just a general statement. Don't filibuster. Just a general statement (laughs) (laughs) about what what Super Tuesday meant to you.
2: You teed me up because not long ago we were talking about Super Tuesday being this night where Bernie Sanders gets this insurmountable delegate lead, and now Joe Biden appears to at least have if not the edge uh, you know he's neck and neck with Bernie Sanders and with the the likelihood that some of these other candidates could drop out of these races he becomes the you know the consolidated centrist candidate who gets all that mainstream support and so we're looking at a really we're looking probably at a replay of 2016 where we have a long long slog but between two candidates not three four or five all
1: right that's a qu- i want to pick up on that later but again i want everybody to get a chance Andra?
0: well there are a lot of things to say i sure. think sure We'll talk about Bernie Sanders um, a little bit later, so I think I'll reserve that. I kind of want to go back to what I said on um, Monday, which I think may have sounded a little punchy, but I guess I was trying to foreshadow what I thought was going to happen today with Mike Bloomberg. I agree with Amy. Money doesn't necessarily buy you votes, or you could sort of tee it up, and if people aren't buying what you're selling, then that's it. And I think people just weren't buying what Bloomberg was selling, especially since he had done so poorly um, in his uh, debate performances. But I think the thing to kind of take away from the Bloomberg thing is what's the return on investment? So yeah, you could shock and awe and overwhelm, you know, a campaign. You could buy the best talent at triple scale, basically, um, and. That doesn't necessarily sort of uh, negate or take away from the fact that you actually have to, one, provide a vision and, two, do actual retail campaigning. And so I just think of what I could have done with a half a billion dollars. So, you know, the joke about how many shoes I could buy with that are houses. But it's also – when we got a half a billion dollars at Emory, like as a result of a, of, a, of a patent, it was like, well, how many research projects could that inform or how many philanthropic things? So I think people just need to be really careful um, with the notion that you can just throw a bunch of money around and expect to be able to get your way. Like there's a give and take in our, in our society. And I think that's a good thing.
4: Alan, Right. I mean, there's, clear, there's a diminishing return on spending. Uh, we clearly saw that last night. One thing that was really remarkable is that Biden won some states where he didn't campaign at all and he had yeah. no organization. Minnesota spent, as an example, no Massachusetts. He, he uh you know made some effort in Texas but he had he spent very little there. He was badly outspent by by Sanders. He was uh, had had a very little organization there and yet he ends up winning there. Uh going forward, I think it's going to be really interesting now to see how this dynamic plays out of a, it's going to become, I think very quickly a two-person race between Sanders and, and Biden, Bloomberg, is, is probably going to drop out. And uh, Sanders signaled last night the message that going forward and how he's going to go after Joe Biden uh, on some aspects of his record and trying to uh, target what he sees as real weaknesses there. And we'll see how, how Joe Biden responds to that yeah. going forward. It's going to be a tough – it's going well, to be – I think replay of 2016 in, in many ways is uh, – is probably right.
1: Alan, I want to just quickly stay with you because you wrote a note this morning to all of us in which you said a number of things about the rate race. But here's one that I thought was particularly uh, apt right now. Going into the next debate, Biden has to prove to Democratic voters that he deserves his newfound frontrunner status and that he can take on Bernie Sanders. Sanders is a very tough debater. We already saw in his speech last night he's prepared to go after Bar- Biden regardless of his frontrunner status. Yeah, exactly.
4: Exactly. And and so it's going to be interesting to see both how Biden responds to that, if he's really prepared uh, to deal with those uh, the attacks that are coming from Bernie Sanders. Ultimately, I think what's going to be interesting is to see how these two candidates uh, come together at the end behind the winner uh, and can they come together and can can if Biden is, is ultimately the nominee, which I think is more likely, uh, you know, will Sanders quickly get behind him? Uh, and can he bring his supporters behind Joe Biden, which will not be easy. Audrey?
3: Well I was going to um, talk about the dynamics that took place. So, you know, we have seen a big shift. This is going to be an election where we talk about momentum. and interestingly enough, you know, in past elections, you you needed some time to transition to get all your money in place. Biden didn't know and didn't need that. He was winning in places where, He really hadn't laid much of a a infrastructure down, hadn't been there in person. He benefited from learning a lesson. The Democrats actually learned a lesson, I think, from 2016 and observing Republicans who were wringing their hands and watching what happened in 2016 but not being able to do anything because people stayed in the race. They had their super PACs and their their sponsors. But this time, that didn't happen. Um, You had Klobuchar, Buttigieg... Steyer didn't really contribute to that. But you had, I think I mentioned on Monday, the notion of of queuing and endorsements coming in. And boy, were there a slew of yeah. them that did. And that really helped Biden a lot. And don't it,
2: forget Beto in Texas, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had Beto O'Rourke endorsed him the other night, uh, the night before the uh, election began. Uh, Amy, your general take? Do we get your general take?
5: I, no, yet. we haven't. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I would love to share it. Obviously, I'm a political scientist, so I can pontificate for hours. <laughs> uh, what I was most struck by, and I realize I maybe have sounded you know, like I'm beating a dead horse on this, but I think it's really important given the results that came out are the degree to which we can't try to set the narrative based upon – the really early states, especially when those early states are not indicative of the broader Democratic primary electorate. I mean, Mm -hmm. we need to be clear on the degree to which Jim Clyburn, endorsing biden had a huge impact not just in south carolina but more broadly right that now that we've got the more diverse electorates now that we're bringing in uh the african-american voters more of the women that we're getting into areas that have larger uh met- into states with larger metropolitan populations et cetera. right we're really seeing sort of a fundamentally different race and those are the ones where biden did well i mean i think the other issue that is not to be undersold is the degree to which i mean we are talking like no he had in a lot of these places no organization he's also the former vice president of the united states right there's very few people who don't know who joe biden is or have some idea and You know, he's sort of seen as comfortable, he's seen as stable, he's seen as someone that they can look to and turn to, and I think that that's important in all of that. But I think it's also important to sort of set, like, how much we wanted to say the narrative was set after Iowa and after New Hampshire And it really left out sizable chunks of the Democratic Party in that narrative, which is a huge problem.
1: So I want to share with you all and get your response to it. Uh, I got a phone call this morning that kind of upsets the conventional thinking we've had since the South Carolina primary. Here's what I mean by that. We know that Biden had an enormous comeback in South Carolina. Money did start pouring in. But what the conventional wisdom was, oh, well, there's not enough time to organize in states for Super Tuesday to get uh, uh, ads on the air in Super Tuesday states, whatever. Why well, talk? His time buyer called me this morning and said, Y'all are missing the story. We dumped a lot of money into TV in many Super Tuesday states. We were able to get spots on. California had a, bu- a bunch of. I thought that was interesting because I don't think we realize that the Biden campaign was able to turn things around and respond that quickly.
0: Um, well, I mean, I think that that's good. I would actually be more impressed if you said that you hired a bunch of field organizers to go knock on doors. <laughs> yeah, that's, actually that's a more little effective. trickier, isn't no, it? No, I mean, I'm just thinking of the fabric and yeah. green study that basically says that TV ads don't do anything in terms of mobilization. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's great to help be out there and get your name out there. But what I think voters who were paying attention did was they saw the cues. Mm-hmm. So they saw the buoyant. Uh, Joe Biden in that last cacophonous debate. Um, you saw Mike Bloomberg uh, basically, like, you know, double down on defending stuff that was indefensible. Um, and so you saw his campaign fortunes go down precipitously. And then you see one the win in South Carolina, and then you see the consolidation around Biden. That's sending all of the cues that anybody who's afraid that Bernie Sanders isn't electable needs in order to be able to kind of move forward. So yeah, I mean it's great that they did all of that, but higher field organizers set up offices. That is well, a way more important. They better than do that guide.
1: moving forward. But there was this sense that what Biden had to do after South Carolina was just the, the talk had been. Oh, my gosh, let's at least he hope, gets, get, he hope he gets through Super Tuesday. Not that he was going to be dominant right. in Super Tuesday. I mean, one <laughs> of the
2: things he did was he couldn't reserve a lot of TV airtime because he was cash-trapped going into mm-hmm. Saturday. But what he did, he had an explosion of Facebook and social media ads. <clears throat> he far outspent Bloomberg in the days coming up, the couple days preceding Super Tuesday. But the other thing that you guys will have a blast investigating and analyzing is that field game. Because he didn't have a field game in a lot of these, at least a robust field operation like Mike Bloomberg, who has 50 staffers in Georgia alone, right? Uh, Mike Bloomberg <clears> had more staffers than any campaign in Alabama. That race was called the moment the <laughs> polls closed. Yeah. Well, well, so Mike Bloomberg had this well, giant field apparatus, and Joe Biden won these states that he didn't even step foot in. Joe Biden had tremendous free media coverage. And that's the what model. Donald
4: Trump had in 2016 <laughs> yep. during the Republican primaries. He didn't spend a lot of money. He was badly outspent but he got all this yeah. free media coverage and that i think that's what biden got uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward i mean you know i think he's still got some glaring weaknesses as yeah. a candidate oh, yeah we'll so we, we talk about that. a while that. We, yeah we got to talk
3: about glaring weaknesses too because as i was talking about dynamics You know, Anderson Cooper did the interview with Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders said a few things that people heard. So it's there are a lot of factors. It's not just what Joe Biden did. It's what the other candidates did. And it's what Sanders is doing and saying. And one of the things he's not doing is sort of expanding his coalition Mm -hmm. I mean he is staying on message and the message is a little negative because I get all of his emails and you know they're very good because they say my name multiple times within the email (laughs) and one of them is they're against us Audrey they're against us and that's all not necessarily a message that is going to help build towards
0: the general election especially
5: if us is supposed to be democratic voters yes you need them in the general election
0: can we raise the issue of whether or not the system is rigged against Bernie? Yes.
1: We've got to talk about that. Could we – let me just for a moment park <laughs> that because I want to finish with what Biden – why Biden right now. And, and I want to ask that and then we definitely want to talk about Bernie. Um, Joe Biden last night won Massachusetts and Alabama. Mm-hmm. What? When was the last time Alabama and Massachusetts were on the same page? Maybe John Kennedy in 1960? I mean, that's crazy.
0: Well, I don't know if it's crazy, but I think it shows. Um, I was listening to CNN probably on Sunday and Rick Santorum kind of dismissed Joe Biden as the southern candidate so oh yeah he's gonna sweep the South right because it's disproportionately black and black folks love him but he can't win anyplace else the fact that mm. he is that he won in New England that he is competitive in other parts of New England that he Maine. may lose like Maine. Maine the fact that he won in Minnesota right is suggesting that he can put together the type of regional coalition that might actually do better than Hillary Clinton did in 2016 that's actually I think a really important thing to take Away, that he's not just kind of a one-trick pony. Blue-collar workers, blue-collar mm-hmm. workers. Is he disorganized? Is can he be undisciplined sometimes? Yeah, um, and so like those are going to be problems for him going forward. He's also going against a sometimes disorganized, uh, undisciplined uh, opponent and, and President Trump. But you know, I think. That that actually challenges Bernie's idea of sort of, you know, like what the coalition is and sort of and it, it should help challenge our notion for people who are on different camps of the progressive moderate debate about sort of recognizing that there is this other side yeah. and that you can't ignore like their perceptions and their feelings and their preferences as well. So,
1: Alan, um, if I were in the Trump campaign, I mean, we, we know that for a long time now, the Trump people felt have felt it. Biden could be their toughest opponent, Mm -hmm. apparently. I mean, that was what Ukraine may have all been about. But if I were them, I might worry about Biden for a different reason. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, It seems to me that one of the reasons Biden did so well is people really are weary, just tired out of the drama around the White House these days, tired of the dramatics that just – are never-ending the controversy. Yeah. And Biden is this sort of sanguine alternative. Sanders isn't because Sanders is is the Democratic yeah. version yeah. of that. But that would worry me as a Trump person because I wonder if there aren't Republicans out there who yeah. are starting to feel so, that
4: way, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and w- there was a question in the exit polls where they asked the primary voters about, you know, do you want the Democratic Party to move to the left? Do you want it to move to the right? Or do you want it to go back? kind of to, I think the, the wording was something like back to where it was with Obama and in many of these states we saw a majority of Democratic primary voters saying back let's go back go you know, kind of a restoration of Obama
3: center left
4: and, and and I think that's what Biden is benefiting from he's now and he's now perceived I think as the candidate who can beat Trump again he was then he lost that mantle now he seems to have it back again for the time being uh, and I think you're right I think that Sanders is viewed as a high risk candidate by many democratic primary voters even if they agree with a lot of his ideas a majority of democrats yeah. mm-hmm. in the exit polls in state after state even in the south said they agree with medicare, medicare for, all. for all i they, was fascinated majority agree by with that. That, but but that, that didn't it wasn't enough to, to help it, them. it Greg, i'm thinking it's not even about
1: ideology here it's not about center left it's not about whatever it's about just who you are as an individual it's please can we we've had enough of of the, the the Trump antics left and right. You may agree with a lot of what Donald Trump is doing, but there are people are just sort of weary of
2: the behavior about someone who, who feels safe. The yeah. choice to, yeah. to, Democrats. to the professor's point last night, Bernie Sanders at his rally in Burlington said voters don't want the same old, same old. Well, the exit polls showed that they kind of do.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. Most of the voters. Most of the, Most voters. Of the voters.
0: Right, yeah. I, I think it's important to understand that that is change in and of itself from the chaos mm-hmm. that we've experienced for the last three years. So yeah, everybody wants change, but it's a question of what kind of change valence are people actually looking at, and I, and 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 I think we need to have that robust discussion about that because people are saying the same thing, but they actually mean different things.
4: Yeah, you know, younger voters uh, seem to be much more uh, supportive of this idea of 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 a very big. Very big change, the kind of change that Sanders is talking about. And, and that's what Sanders has kind of pitched a lot of his appeal to the Democratic electorate on the idea that he can energize and turn out these young voters, and that would be the key to victory. And he does do extremely well with young voters, but he hasn't really increased their share of the electorate. That's yeah. the thing.
1: Yes. And, and that's the trouble, uh, Amy, isn't it? That, that the argument that Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. makes over and over is that he'll beat President Trump because he continues to expand the base of Democratic voters. And yet in election in in every single race we've had Mm -hmm. so far, that has not
5: happened. No, I mean, so we're still seeing, and as we speak to all of our students, abysmal turnout rates of the 18 to 29 year olds the 30- to 44-year-olds are also really pretty pathetic. So all of you, like, you're old enough to have, like, gotten everything together and turn out to vote. Um But what we see are Can't high- Can't you make tr- it an
1: assignment that your students
2: Early have Early voting in Georgia has already started. Yeah, so. It no has. Excuses. And so let's
5: get everybody out there. I, I have been known to do that. I don't care who you vote for, but just go right, vote and right. take your friends to vote. But I think that that is a big part of this. I mean, because one of the things that's really important, so Virginia- Broke all Mm -hmm. previous records. They doubled 2016. Uh, They broke the record that had been out there in 2008. But it was not an upsurge in younger voters. It was instead an upsurge in those without college degrees. It was an upsurge in minorities. I mean, in many ways, it was all of the things that we've, other groups that we say normally don't turn out, are in fact turning out. Um, Women are turning out way more than men are. And they're not necessarily voting in the same way that their husbands are, which is a huge change over the last couple decades. And I think that's an important point that we are seeing sort of an expansion of who is voting, but it's not in the way that Bernie Sanders is uh, reliant upon and arguing that he would be able to do successfully. And also, I mean, a lot of those newer voters went to Biden.
3: So I was going to mention, talk about the messaging. So if we were if we were giving advice to Joe Biden right now. So one of the things that those younger voters and some of the others who feel excluded and who have been a part of Sanders' campaign is they feel like they need to be listened to. Mm-hmm. Everybody agrees that there are problems, but part of the division in the party is how do you solve those problems? We heard, you know, aspirational Amy, where I'm more pragmatic. These are all good goals. We all want that. We all want the same thing. How do we get there? Biden has to do a good job. And he started doing it last night in his acceptance speech where he was reaching out to those young voters. I agree with you. You are right. We need to do this. I'm the guy who can do it. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, can't do it because his ideas are, you know, on how to do it. Don't work. They're not workable, or they're more extreme, or they're more radical. And we have institutions that will push back. Right, well, and the
5: other part is just really quickly that, I mean, there is the problem that Bernie has not been terribly successful in getting legislation passed through his numerous decades in the United States Senate. He's not great at building coalitions. He doesn't have a record to vote for. And I think that that also harms him more broadly.
1: I've got to get to a break. Uh, but uh, when we come back, uh, Andre, I do want to pick up on what you're. Uh, uh, started to discuss and that is mm-hmm. where where, and, and it's a larger question it's what do we expect the reaction of Bernie Sanders to be to the Biden uh, uh, sweeping victories and what does it mean to the party uh, how is he going to comport himself all of that's going to be very important as we move forward so uh, let's take a break right now we'll be back with Greg Bluestein and the A-Team in just a moment. <laughs> All right. We're back on a very exciting day in politics. You know, whether you're Democrat, Republican, watching an election like we saw last night unfold, to see the dynamics, to see the surprises, uh, this is all a part of why we are so fascinated as this group here is uh, about politics. All right. So we've talked a bit about Joe Biden. We're going to talk more about him because, as you alluded to a little while ago, Alan, the road ahead for Joe Biden is not necessarily lined with rose petals. He's going to have to be a different kind of candidate in many ways. And we'll get to that in a second. But, Andre, you started to talk about something that I think is worthy of a conversation. Um, Sanders' response to to uh, suddenly losing, as he did, is going to be very important for Democrats to watch moving forward. I mean, there are are people to this day who think Bernie Sanders' kind of angry campaign in 2016, even past the time he knew Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee, did enormous damage to her in the general election. So talk to us about your uh, thoughts about Sanders right now and how he proceeds.
0: Um, I mean, I think in terms of always saying that folks are out to get you um, is problematic Um, You know, it is the responsibility of media. I mean, a lot of this is directed towards the media. So he thinks he's not getting a fair shake from reporters because they're critiquing him. I mean, and it's the same problem that I see with President Trump. If you're a public official, people are going to ask tough questions and they are not uh, obligated to be nice to you. In fact, it's their job to actually ask probing questions and put you on the hot seat to hold you accountable. Um, But also with respect to if uh, the rules go against him. So we've seen the establishment kind of consolidate around Joe Biden. And it looks like it's, it's going to continue to consolidate, you know, with the imminent departure of Mike Bloomberg. To say that all of a sudden that they're against you just seems to me very disingenuous because as the second place finisher in 2016, Bernie Sanders had a ton of leverage to rewrite the rules. I mean, first of all, they're just some substantive things. Like, would there have been a $15 minimum wage added to the party platform? Like, there are lots of ways from sort of an idea standpoint that Sanders has had a a permanent impact on Democratic Party politics in this generation. But he also had um, an impact on changing delegate allocation rules. There are no super delegates on the first ballot. Like, these are big changes, right? And so if he doesn't win based on the rules that he helped write, for you to claim that everybody is against you, just as crazy or that there is some type of cabal that's organizing against you doesn't make sense at all. And then you also just have to accept that you got out-campaigned and that people, not, en- not enough of a critical mass of people were buying what you're selling. It doesn't mean I want to discount bernie supporters and i would I just want to be very clear to them i think they have a role in the party but also you just kind of have to accept that there are these agreed upon norms and rules that you participated in that were established at the beginning and you can't t- pick up your marbles and yeah. go home if it doesn't work I, out for and you And it wasn't
3: a billionaire that did it
1: right, right? i think it's interesting uh, to pick up on what you're saying uh amy um a week ago It was the Biden campaign that was pointing out to media that the Democratic uh, primaries were operating under rules that disadvantaged them that had been set by the Sanders people after 2016, um, which required the 15 Mm percent threshold in each state, that sort of thing. And and so now coming out of Super Tuesday, (laughs) suddenly it's the Sanders people who are uh, upset about the rules.
5: Yes. And I think the other issue about this that is, you know, somewhat concerning is, you know, there there have been a number of people, including Marianne Williams, who has been a surrogate for Bernie recently, suggesting that sort of last night was a coup. It it was a coup by voters who turned out and they simply chose somebody else. Um, That, I think, is a real issue to kind of go forward on that. There are sort of these discussions suggesting that uh, certain candidates are harming all of it, that they're undercutting the cause, that also that perhaps certain groups of voters, women, minorities are uh, being led around by the nose by an establishment. And all of that, I mean, is really insulting. To those groups of voters, and also makes it very difficult to then say to them, if you do later on win the nomination, come join me, because you've said to them, I think you're not smart enough to vote on your own. I think you're being led around. Um, there's there's a lot of rhetoric there that makes it really hard to coalesce. And the issue is that if you're going to run to be the nominee for a party. You then at the end of the day, in fact, have to represent that party. I mean, there is a sort of an interesting thing that if you are trying to be anti-establishment, you're going for the most establishment position that's ever existed, which is a representative but of the party.
1: I do want to be careful, Greg, um, to make sure we because I think we all realize this. Joe Biden has by no means wrapped up no. the nomination oh, no. as a result of Super Tuesday. Bernie Sanders is very much alive. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a battle now probably between the two of them. And we'll talk a little bit about what happens to Elizabeth Warren and what happens to Mike Bloomberg. But this is the two-man race that Sanders still has every chance— to win.
2: And remember, he stayed in this two-man or one-man, one-woman race mm-hmm. in 16 until June. Yeah, yep. you know that was when mm-hmm. super delegates, as they were known at the time, <clears throat> came out in force for Hillary Clinton. The same debate exists today over those. Now they're called unpledged delegates, but those same mm-hmm. delegates. And I have a, a couple pieces of somewhat breaking news on those in Georgia. Um, I surveyed all 15. Well, I surveyed uh, 15 super delegates, the unpledged delegates in Georgia, who will play a very important role in in what could be a brokered convention or a contested convention um in july and a majority of them said that they so they would that, that essentially that a, a candidate needs to have a majority, not a plurality, of those delegates to win. That means that um, if that's Biden or that's, uh, that's Bernie, mm-hmm. um, they need, they will need to have a majority, not just a plurality coming in. Um, and that's important because at first it seemed like Bernie Sanders would have that plurality but not that majority. But Super Tuesday might have rejiggered all and that. Bernie
4: was the only one who, when he was asked about this, said that the candidate who has a plurality should be the nominee, yep. and the mm-hmm. others said, no, uh, we have to... To, you know, yeah. see what happens at the convention. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the roles have been reversed. Yes. So it would be interesting to see what he has to say if it goes into the convention, uh, you know, uh, trailing Biden in delegates. But with that, with Biden not having a majority, you, which you is entirely second. possible. Y-
2: yeah. And secondly, I talked to Nikema Williams, who's the chairwoman mm-hmm. of the Georgia Democratic Party, yesterday before the first round of of polls were even closed and she said i want to go out there i'm not going to endorse any candidate but what i will do with my unpledged vote if it gets to that if if, the, if it's needed is i will support whoever georgia supports in march 24th mm-hmm. uh, which if if you go by uh, how bernie sanders did in 2016 means whoever's not bernie sanders um so, so it's
1: got to
4: be biden and yeah. georgia yes. sure. yeah. Yeah. you would
1: think so i all right so one one last thing about uh, bernie sanders at this moment uh you know, we do spend time on this show talking about the harsh kind of rhetoric that we hear coming from Capitol Hill between Democrats and Republicans, the Trump tweets. We're going to talk about one of those in a little while. We talked about the Alabama Senate primary last mm-hmm. night. Um, we talking right now about the the harsh battle between Doug Collins and Kelly Leffler. So a lot of the time we're focusing on on the right and the problems that we see with their rhetoric. Um, Audrey, the, Elizabeth Warren is being hammered today by not, not all Bernie Sanders folks behave like this, but the nastiness being aimed at her on Twitter today uh, because she doesn't hasn't gotten out of the race and therefore is hurting and, Bernie and, Sanders yes. is really troubling to see.
3: And, it, and it's based, I think, on a lack of information. I mean, there's some assumptions they're making about uh, Warren's support. And Warren's support is not necessarily totally overlapping. If you look at all the exit polls and you look at Warren, she is a much more complex uh, creature. I was trying to make an ice cream analogy for the candidates. And she's very Neapolitan in the <laughs> sense that, you know, she has people who vote based on identity. She has women supporters. She has people who are concerned about income inequality. She has, you know, a whole lots of segments. Uh, segments there. And and she is not necessarily ideologically identical at all. In fact, uh, she's very different and has a very different history than Bernie does. They're friends. There's a lot that they agree on. They work together. But at the same time, they really should not assume that her support is going to go to bernie nor that she was that much of a spoiler i heard a lot of people saying mm-hmm. if only warren was not there bernie would have that's not necessarily
0: what's, true
1: what's the path for uh, bernie now
0: oh well i actually kind of wanted to respond right, a little ahead. bit to audrey i mean i think the the thing to kind of point out there is that as i'm looking through some of the mm-hmm. stuff Bloomberg was finishing third in a lot of these states. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. that really kind of challenges this notion yep. of Warren yes. as a yes. spoiler because it's yeah. not like she's in third place. Yeah. In Massachusetts. Yeah. But in, 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 mm-hmm. in many other states, it was Bloomberg who was the other one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we need to be very, you know, very careful about how we how we attack people, especially when it's unwarranted. Yeah, exactly. yeah I think that's
4: right. I mean, I I, I think, you know, if, if Warren gets out, which she probably will um, in, in the next couple of days, um, a disproportionate share of her support will probably go to Sanders, but certainly not, not all of it. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, I think, next week. Um, there are a few primaries next week. Mississippi almost certainly will be Biden. Uh, Michigan? Mi- Michigan, uh, I think, is going to be extremely interesting. Uh, Sanders pulled off an upset win there in 2016 over Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. narrow victory. Um, let, you know, I think that's going to be very important for him. He he needs to do well in Michigan to come back from this disappointing showing on Super Tuesday. Yes, but c-
1: if I but considering that he is now calling for uh, the uh, retirement of all automobiles that right. burn fossil fuels, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan could be more problematic for him than it yep. might have been.
4: <laughs> yeah, and and looking at what what happened in some of the other in in Minnesota, uh, and and it's you know in, in New England yesterday, it's it's clear. I think that. Uh, You know, Biden uh, has a chance to do well there.
1: All right, um, we've got uh, uh, next week, March 10th, Hawaii, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri. Missouri will be interesting, Missouri. North Dakota, Missouri. and Washington State, which is going to be a primary next time, right. not a caucus. Mm-hmm. And although Bernie seems to have a, a good support there, it's not going to be as easy in a primary mm-hmm, state for him right. to win the delegates yes. as and it would have been as a caucus That's part of what happened state. in Minnesota in as Minnesota. well. In Minnesota, Is that exactly. a switch from
5: a caucus to a primary? And... All right,
1: let me pick up on another thing. I suspect that, Amy, there are Georgia political leaders like, say, Keisha Lance Bottoms, mayor of Atlanta, Calvin Mm Smyrie, a few others who have got on board with Biden early, who last week before South Carolina were thinking to themselves, how do I gracefully get out of this situation? They today are breathing the biggest sighs of relief and are celebrating.
5: They are. Now, I guess that, you know, again, I keep saying this, but, you know, I, I I really felt like we were writing obituaries way early after Iowa and New Hampshire because there were, I mean, there were 48 states left and a bunch of territories, including American Samoa, who voted last <laughs> night. Um, and so right, we needed to sort of put that in. But I do think that there is something uh, that's going on there and that certainly that is going to aid. I mean, you've got I mean people. That they can now say, like, yes, there's a reason that I made this decision. There's a reason that I stayed in it for the long term and that I put my faith here and I, I knew what was coming. I knew what the electorates looked like. And I you know, figured that this is what was going to happen. Now the question is, what happens from here. Right. Now it's there's a much more attention to some degree is gonna be on both of them. I mean, they really, honestly, both Bernie and Biden kind of have been ignored um in the debates and things like that. We're gonna to start to see a much smaller debate states. They're gonna to have to do much more sort of defense of each of their own, and it'll be interesting to see what happens.
2: I heard from Calvin Smirer this morning who said, Hey, it's now a two person race, as you'd expect them to say. <laughs> but it's gonna be interesting to see what endorsers, Georgia endorsers of Bloomberg do. Yeah. One mm-hmm. of the biggest ones was Mike was Michael Thurman, a frequent yeah. guest of the Finally
1: show. just last week yeah. said I'm yep. officially there yes yeah, Senator Jordan. he
2: had a big event Friday I talked to him this morning he said look um, all Democrats ought to be praising this man this morning of, of Michael Bloomberg he's going to be Joe Biden's best friend if Joe Biden mm-hmm. wins the nomination because mm-hmm. what does Joe Biden struggle with the most raising money so he's already kind of you know uh, pivoting to to like the, the the fact that Bloomberg could help the entire party uh,
1: under that strikes me as exactly what you'd want to say I mean Bloomberg will be a force in this election uh, even though he is unlikely to be able to be the nominee.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think it also has to be careful, because if it looks like he's bought Joe Biden and he owns Joe Biden, that that actually creates optics that are problematic. So, uh, you know, I think it's the idea of his staff migrating over to, to <coughs> Biden's staff. Um, you know, we do have to think about sort of what the funding stream looks like. And then there is the question of Bloomberg taking the role that he took in 2018 and helping down ballot races yeah. and yeah. helping to set up mm-hmm. infrastructure. Like, that's more important and that's more diffuse. So it doesn't necessarily like automatically look to the naked eye. Like it looks like he's buying an election. If I was
4: Biden campaign, I don't want Mike Bloomberg's endorsement right now. I mean, I'd like him to get out of the race um, and keep spend his money in the general election Yeah, to go after uh, Trump, to go after Trump, to, 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 uh, to help Democrats down ballot, but not coming out and endorsing Joe Biden. That, that is just going to help Bernie Sanders It's going to make the argument for Bernie Sanders That Biden is the candidate of the billionaires.
1: I got to get to a break. You want the last word before the break, Audrey?
3: Yeah, the other thing is, boy, Biden has to perform.
1: Well, that's it. Mm -hmm. And we will see how that Mm -hmm. works out. Let's talk about that briefly when we come back from this break. All right, we just got a few minutes left with this fabulous panel today, uh, Alan. You were the first one to allude uh, allude to it, so I'll, I'll throw it to you on this. Um, Biden does still have to perform. He is uh, he can meander out there on this on the stage, right? At still, the, still one of the great retail politicians. I covered his '88. Campaign was on the road with him a lot and was just overwhelmingly impressed with how he does one-on-one right. with people. But get him up on a podium, right? And he can go off into fantasy land. And, and, and now it's
4: it, you know it's probably just going to be just the two of them yeah. on the stage in yeah. the, in the next debate and any subsequent debates. It's it's almost certainly going to be just Biden and Sanders, and he's going to have to be able to respond to those attacks that are coming. Sanders is already. Uh, told him you know what's coming so he better be prepared for that yeah. uh, and he and he can't do any more of this you know oh I, I say I'm almost out of time uh, you know like like he's like he just stops he just runs out and of things. And he's got to keep say. his energy mm. up. We yes. were
1: watching under mm. a period of this race at the early this year where hit looked like he was going through the motions and the last thing he wanted to do was be running for president of the United States.
0: Yeah, you know, but you know one of the things that I have thought about is I've thought about whether or not Joe momentum is actually real. And I think, you know, we forget. Saturday was the what first did you time call it? Joe momentum. I mean I that's what it. he called it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Saturday was the first time he ever won a primary. Exactly. Ever. He's been running for office since I was 11 years old. (laughs) Um, So or for president since I was 11. So this is so, you know, maybe now sort of having some, you know, the wind under his under his wings might actually be giving him something where we may see a different type of Joe Biden. So, you know, we just have to wait to see.
1: Um, That's really going to be interesting, you know. Amy, he already has one of the most compelling personal stories of any candidate for uh, president in many, many decades. I mean, the loss mm-hmm. of his uh, first wife and child in an automobile accident just before he was sworn into the Senate and the loss of his son to mm-hmm. uh, terrible cancer. So his, his personal story and his perseverance is already uh, uh, building a, an, an image of him that people just respond to in a positive way. Now, the comeback kid, you know, coming from back from the dead, you can be sure they're going to be using that line uh, for quite a while as this campaign moves Definitely. Forward. And
5: one of the other um, sort of recent things that has you know gotten a lot more attention and that he's been much more open about is also the fact that he has a lifelong issue with stuttering. And so a lot of the times that we see it as these sort of verbal gaffes, what it really is is word replacement of trying to keep talking. It's a device or mechanism that those who have severe stuttering will utilize when they are getting stuck. Sometimes it's called word replacement and there, there's other types of things. And And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, a lot more um, of others around him really sort of pointing that out and setting up situations. He did a really fascinating uh, piece that I think was in The Atlantic where he was interviewed by a reporter who also – has a stutter to really kind of break that down. And there was an instance, I think, where he was with a young child and again was talking about that. And so it's, again, these issues of things that he has sort of overcome and been successful with, but also to kind of show how we don't think about, you know, somebody who's been vice president of having, right, of having to deal with these sorts of issues, but yet he has.
1: All right, all of this said, I want to reiterate, Audrey, Bernie Sanders has enormous energy, and passion, that is, no one is topping out there right now on the campaign trail. Uh, to look at some of the rallies that he was involved with uh, coming uh, in, the, in the last uh, week or so, huge crowds of people. Um, I want to just say it again. Bernie Sanders has a very strong path forward. I know we're talking about Biden today because of Super Tuesday. Well, but
5: a- And he's going to get more delegates in California when yes, he's he going to change that yes, number. Yes, he
1: is. Yes, he is. So... We're going to watch an incredible race moving forward.
3: Yes, and I think a lot of it will be about messaging. You know, Biden really hasn't found his, his total winning message yet, Yeah, and he needs to find it. And, and, you know, he may have a great backstory, but I think he needs to concentrate on the, the you. It's about you. It's about unification. It's about yeah. solving problems. And be a foil for Trump, because that's really where he wins. He's so yeah. likable. The contrast that's
4: with it. Trump is, is just stunning there. But Bernie Sanders... As a message that appeals to a lot yep, of Democratic absolutely. voters, especially younger Democratic voters, and he has a lot of money, yeah. and he can mm-hmm. keep raising money—two dollars mm-hmm. yep. uh, and, so and seven cents—and and he has yeah. a you know a, a much stronger organizations in place in a lot of these states. Yeah. And, and, and
5: Biden doesn't really have a policy, a clear policy message yet. Like it's not entirely clear what are the policies a, he's running on. That's a good on. point, yeah. Greg.
2: You need to get some. Yeah, mm-hmm. and let's be clear too. President Trump is still coming into Georgia with a tremendous amount of strength. UGA has a poll that was released this morning, Mm the School of uh, Public and International Affairs, uh, that shows that President has a 54% approval rating in Georgia, mm-hmm. and he had he beats all four of the the top Democratic contenders in last night's Super Tuesday con- contest by about double digits, by about eight to eleven points. But this each.
3: was pre-Super Tuesday. It was
2: pre-Super Tuesday, obviously. It and was you also that, did the that's best.
3: a
4: bit of an outlier. Yeah. I would say for yeah. the, all the polling I've seen in Georgia, which there hasn't been much. There hasn't but, been much, but and I'd, I'd be surprised if that's exactly right.
2: But he's beating. Oh, and, and this will change. But and half the poll was also done pre-South Carolina too. It was, it was done. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the, uh, okay. okay. But, but it shows uh, Bernie Sanders um, trailing Trump fifty two forty one, Bloomberg fifty forty two, Biden fifty one forty three, and Warren fifty two forty two, all trailing Trump.
1: All right, we'll watch it unfold. I want to talk about. We're very short on time, but there's one other race that we really should say a couple <laughs> words about. Andrew Gillespie, uh, Jeff Sessions trying to win back that Senate seat he gave up after two decades of holding it in Alabama to become the Attorney General, couldn't pull it out last night. He's in a runoff with. A football coach, Tommy Tuberville.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, so there are are a number of things. So saw President Trump's tweet where basically he goes after Jeff Sessions. This is what happens to someone (gasps) who loyally gets appointed
1: attorney general, then doesn't have the wisdom or courage to stare down and end the phony Russian witch hunt, recuse himself on first day in office, and the Mueller scams begin. Mm. Seriously? Yes. So,
0: I mean, so a couple of things. To Jeff Sessions' defense. Um, there were four people who were in this race, so the idea that this was going to go to a runoff is, is not surprising at right, all. They have right. the same rules we do. You got to get fifty percent plus one. Um, second, and at the risk of sounding partisan or flip, thank you Alabama for not nominating Roy Moore again. Yes. So right. like that was yeah, very. Yeah, Roy Moore very got like five percent yeah. of the well, vote Jordan or something. Not agree
4: with you. Yeah, Doug
0: but, Jones yeah.
1: would have really wanted to see that. Yeah, I Doug understand Jones would that. love to have had that. I understand
0: that, but just thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Uh, I find it remarkable that Sessions, uh, last night in his speech, uh, talked about he was the first guy to have the guts to get up and endorse President Trump after the abuse, Greg, that President <laughs> yeah. Trump has heaped on him. and But Jeff Sessions... Bless his
2: heart. John stays loyal. (laughs) He sees the same polls we do, which showed uh, Trump's approval rating among Republicans in Alabama at 90 plus percent. So there's no other path for him. It's
1: amazing. All right. We are, sorry to say, out of time uh, for today's show. I really loved having you all here. Alan Abramowitz, Andrew Gillespie. Amy Steigerwald, who's reading something that's really making her mouth Trump oh, the Trump filling. tweet about Jeff Sessions. Mm-hmm. Following the laws. Audrey Haynes, in your honor, because you come the farthest to be here from Athens. I wore today my applied political science T-shirt from your program at the University of Georgia, and it, and it
3: looks marvelous on
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Boosty, loved having you here. Uh, a really quick note: uh, got a call from Andy Young's office the other day, and the call was Andy wants to come in and do the show, and argue with you. Now, Andy and I have known each other for 30 years. We kid about arguing, but we do. He'll be here tomorrow along with Heath Garrett and Kevin Riley. I don't know what he wants to argue about, but it'll certainly be fun. So join us for Political Rewind again tomorrow.